You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric May, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Marshfield. And I got that suggestion from some of you that said on Media Day, I should have said a different affiliate every time I identified myself as Eric Name, ESPN Milwaukee. And I got to say, that was a great idea. I should have done it. I blew it. That's on me great idea by you guys uh espn marshfield right i always say it's in the very dead center middle of the state i don't know if that's actually true but that's what it feels like uh over kind of by stevens point but that shout out to the espn marshfield affiliate i've been to marshfield before as a kid i think i saw a high school football game there uh so it's been a couple decades since i've been up to the affiliate i don't know what it looks like at the at the moment i'm sure Many great improvements have been made. I'll have to make my way out there at some point. Um, joining me, as always, will be my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. But for now, it is just me reminding you that today's episode is brought to you by Vivid Seats. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $20 off any order over $200. Again, that's a $20 off any order over $200. Go to Vivid Seats today. You can download it in the Google Play Store, uh, in the Apple Store, wherever it is that you download apps. Download the Vivid Seats app, and then that'll allow you to find everything, uh, all the great seats that are available with Vivid Seats. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on for $20 off any purchase over $200. Speaking of tickets, just a reminder... Green and Cream Scrimmage is sold out this weekend, and sold out's a weird term because they were free tickets, but 17,500 tickets have been claimed, so those will be the people getting in the building. If you do, if you did not get those tickets online, there won't be like a reason to go to the the area other than just kind of causing congestion um there there really won't there won't be any extra tickets or anything like that there won't be standing room like the people that got those tickets will be the people that can get in so just a reminder to you on that uh also you can stream it that'll be fun as well so if you didn't get one of those tickets you can stream it online uh but that is all coming this weekend and as frank mentions at the end of the podcast that means on monday we will have actual basketball-ish activities to discuss and kind of go through and i'm sure we won't do a full game recap but there will be plenty of talk plenty to talk about from the green and cream scrimmage and we can kind of go through all of that on monday so with all that being said I will hand it over to Frank, and he will get us started on the second part of our training camp mailbag. 
Dairyland Express at Dairyland Express asks the Bucks have fairly good depth at guard. Which player is going to be on the outside looking in regarding playing time? The first when I first read this, my first thought was back to that podcast where you um, talked about not not believing Delhi was going to be mm-hmm. a bud guy and that Delhi was the guy. And then we the next podcast we both talked about how we we weren't sure why necessarily Delhi wasn't going to be a bud <laughs> guy. So maybe he was going to be a bud guy. Um, where is your thinking on this at this point? Um, I, I don't know if we want to play process of elimination, um, but, and, and I guess, you know, we can interpret it as, as shooting guard, guard, wing. Um, I assume we're talking really more about the wing rotation rather than the point guard rotation. Um, but realistically, there's so much overlap, right? Like Jelly, sure. Brogdon in particular can play the one or two. Um, so I, what's, what's your immediate reaction when you, when you see that question? So I guess we can do this. Eric Bledsoe, in. Malcolm Brogdon, in. Chris Middleton, in. And then I think that's probably where it gets interesting, right? Like uh, those three, uh, I think we can both feel comfortable saying we'll play at least 25 minutes a night. And Middleton probably up to about 33, 34 uh, and Eric Bledsoe, probably up to 30, and Malcolm Brogdon, I don't know, somewhere in the middle there. So um, if you're just thinking through all of that, I mean, there's not a ton of time to give out to other people. Um, so for me, I think that Dante DiVincenzo's one that's going to be on the outside looking in. Uh, I just think they're going to be more than happy for him to be able to compete. I think they're going to be more than happy for him to kind of have such a like I said, the Bucks have real depth this year, so it's going to be good for him that he's going against real NBA players. Um, so I think he's on the outside looking in. And then I think maybe Pat Connaughton, but I guess the dark horse on being on the outside looking in for me is Tony Snell. Um, because this coaching staff wasn't here for Tony Snell's breakout year. This coaching staff wasn't a part of the coaching staff that played Tony Snell every night and got him threes every night. Like they, for him, he's just kind of a guy and you have to figure out how to use him. And uh, they don't necessarily have to worry about his four for 44. Um, They can just worry or four for it's even more than that, whatever it is. Um, They don't have to worry about that. They can just, kind of play who they want to play. So I, I, he's kind of my dark horse in that spot, but also he's in my mind as a possible breakout candidate. <laughs> um, so I, I don't really know what to do there. Um, Pat Connaughton, as we've mentioned a couple times now, started or didn't start, but played 82 games last year. Um, he had a very consistent role. I, I and it, I really have no idea how it plays out. Uh, I wish that I could give some sort of answer here, um, but I think there's a, a bunch of kind of boom or bust right there. Like I, I think as they get into the season, Mike Boonholzer is going to figure out who his two or three bench guard slash wings are. And those are the guys that are going to play. And then there's going to be two people on the outside looking in. I would, I would guess one of them Dante, is Dante DiVincenzo. And then I really don't know who the other one is between Delhi, Pat Connaughton, Tony Snell, and Sterling Brown. I, I don't know. Uh, Do you have any, one, do you agree on Dante? And then two, do you have any thoughts on the other four? I mean, it's hard for me to 
see Dante beating out all those other guys for minutes, I think he might get a chance just because, you know, again, we've heard that, that he's a guy that, that Bud in particular liked. Um, so we'll see on that side. But, I mean, you just look at it last year, right? I mean, um, which of the guards and slash wings actually played? I mean, you have Middleton, Bledsoe, Brogdon. Um, Snell played 27 minutes per game. Um, Delvadova played 19 minutes per game, um, although missed about half the season with those injuries. Um, so just in thinking of like which spots are up for grabs, okay, maybe Delhi's spot is up for grabs. Um, you could argue some of Snell's minutes could be up for grabs. I do think Snell's going to be in the rotation. I, again, even if you know we've talked about why we think he should start, you know, maybe Malcolm Brogdon starts and Tony is more of a 15 to 20 minute per game guy. But I, I think again he's going to get some minutes. Um, and then looking at kind of the rest of the the minutes that are kind of to be had out there, um, you know, Jason Terry's minutes are obviously up for grabs. He played 51 games, 16 minutes per night. Um, Brandon Jennings was only around for 14 games, so I'll kind of ignore him. Um, Sterling Brown, though, 54 games, 14 minutes per game. So I think there's, you know, you look at kind of the guys who were more like on the fringes of the rotation. You know, you had Sterling at those, um, you know, call it, I don't know, 800 minutes or something like that. Um, you had Terry, uh, you had Delhi, let's say, um, and those are maybe the positions that are a little bit up for grabs. So if you're, you know, Pat Connaughton or Dante Vincenzo, can you take minutes from those slots, basically? Um, maybe. Um, I mean, Connaughton, I, I keep coming back to it, and I really wasn't aware of it last year that, I mean, him playing 82 games, and what, what did he play, like 18 minutes per game? I mean, that's that that's impressive. That's a lot more than I would have thought Pat Connaughton. Those are real play. NBA minutes. Yeah. Um, so maybe we're kind of sleeping on him a little bit. Um, but... Uh, Again, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. And it's going to be interesting to see as well. Like, you know, we know Kid like to use kind of the multiple ball handlers in the backcourt thing as a little bit of a safety net blanket type thing. It will be interesting to see how much, uh, you know, Mike Budenholzer goes in a similar direction or, or is he comfortable playing, you know, just one point guard with a, tr- you know, a quote unquote true shooting guard um, next to them. So um, it's tough to say. Yeah, I mean, I. I'll say Dante more on the outs just because I just don't really, there's not really a big believer in him. Um, I want to believe that that Sterling will earn minutes just because through his toughness. And I think Delhi could also earn minutes similarly through his toughness, you know, and, and just defensive kind of, you know, try hardness. Um, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if that is indeed the case, because um yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting battle uh, for, for a number of those guys. I think there's a good chance we get a number of our over-unders very wrong this year. Yeah, like, oh, for sure. Like, I just think, and again, this is in in many ways a good thing, that it speaks to the Bucks' depth that we can't go through and say like, oh, of course, this is the depth chart. This guy will play this many minutes, and this guy will score points, and this guy will do this. Like, We can't go through it because there is enough – enough depth there that there's actual questions to be asked. And I think it's going to be, again, we will have to figure it out on the go. We'll, I mean, when you watch preseason games this year, you're actually going to have to like kind of watch and see like, Oh, okay. That's interesting that that unit works or this unit doesn't work. And this unit plays and that one didn't. And like all that stuff is to me going to be somewhat interesting because like it might, 
actually tell us something uh, about uh, what we're going to see going forward when I think in years past, it was just like, okay, those are the 10 guys that you could uh, on media day kind of circle and be like, yep. All right. That's your backup center that. Okay. Yep. I got this box roster figured out. And I don't think we, ha- I don't think we can do that this year. No, I agree. I mean, I think that's, that's the, you know, the, the, at least one positive of the Jason Kidd era was at least we understood sort of what his tendencies were, <laughs> even if we didn't necessarily like them. Um, sure. And so that'll be one of the, I think, interesting things for us to kind of grapple with is, is understanding what kind of Bud's preferences are and, and what that means for those rotations. Um, speaking of rotations, Wombat is best asks, will Swole Fawn even be the number three center on this team? What say you, Eric? Oh man. Um, first off, I want to, I want to talk about Swolathon. Am I missing something here? I've seen multiple people reference this on the internet. Does he look bigger to you this year? More divined? I, I, like, I, I'm bad at, at kind of telling those things from pictures and thinking about it. Did you get any impression that he's, uh, he's bigger? Um, I don't know. I mean, he's he's kind of an, in, an interesting guy in the sense that he, for a, at least last year, and I think like as a rookie too. I mean, he's always had some definition in his arms. It's not like he. I mean, he's a skinny yeah. guy, but I feel like his bigger issue has been just like his his base and kind of core probably isn't strong enough, which is why probably why he you know doesn't rebound at all. Obviously, the fact that he can't catch a basketball so it uh, doesn't help. That hurts. Uh, <laughs> But um, you know he's listed at seven one two twenty three officially by the Bucks this year. So you know for whatever it's worth, that's that's how he's he's listed. Um, so I don't know if he's you know Swolthon. He did note it. He didn't say that he fell in love with the weight room more this off season uh, going at uh, going to P three. Um, so for whatever it's worth, I mean, is he did he put on weight by by doing that? Um, you know maybe maybe that's possible. Um, so I, I'm not sure, but, um, I think, you know, again, I think with Thon, um, it's really more about like, you know, functionally, like, does he play stronger? Um, and to me that that's really the fundamental question. Um, for reference, he weighed 216 at the NBA draft combine a couple of years ago. So, you know, he's seven, seven pounds heavier since then. So not exactly a lot of, uh, additional weight that he's carrying at this point. Mm. You know, again, I, I, he just seems like a guy who's not, he's never going to be like really big. Um, and, you know, we've heard the stories about how he eats like what, like 7,000 calories or something absurd, you know, a day. <laughs> so there, it's not for a lack of effort. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if Thon is exactly swole um, at this point, but, you know, he's obviously uh, uh, lean and, and has some, certainly has some muscles, but. Not sure they're necessarily in the right places to to really make him more effective. So we're not 100% sure Swolthon is actually Swole, but I think one place that is Swole is Vivid Seeds. They are Swole with all sorts of great deals on tickets, all sorts of great deals that you can find over at Vivid Seeds. It's an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. Obviously, you can go to Vivid Seats on the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, and then you can check out, you know, all of the seats that may be available for your favorite teams or your favorite artists. And, you know, with Fiserv Forum, there's a brand new arena, 
and that means there's a ton of shows that come through so this actually kind of comes in handy in uh here in milwaukee for this year is it's not just finding bucks tickets it's also finding tickets to all of your favorite concerts all of your favorite events so that is the place to go vivid seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events including sports concerts theater and more obviously great prices and an easy purchasing experience and we can make that even better by giving you the code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n and you will receive twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more if you're a first-time customer so go to the app store or google play and download the vivid seats app enter promo code l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n that's locked on to receive twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more as a new customer of vivid seats as far as whether he is in the number three center what what do you think about that um i i think and again, I say this as you know, someone who's thinking about the Bucks' asset management and thinking about what they have going forward. This might be kind of the same situation as we talked about earlier. With you know, who do I think is who would I like to see do something versus what will actually happen? Like, I mean, if you're the Bucks, you need a pick to hit, so like you need them to be your backup center. You need it to be Brooke Lopez and then Thon Maker. Like that's to me kind of how you can, in some ways, help out the asset problem that you had. And obviously, that we highlighted earlier this summer. Like if Thon can do that, then okay, maybe you have an asset. It's more of a limited asset, don't get me wrong, but at least you have something. Um, so, I mean, I would, I think it would be great if he could be the backup center, but. You know, as far as how he'll play, I, I think that's a big question. And I, I wonder just kind of how he gets used, if he is able to, you know, there there is some things in this offense, like the ability to put it on the deck a little bit, like the ability uh, to kind of move the ball. Like maybe there's some things that he could do, but also we saw John Henson improve a lot in a number of those aspects last year. So um, do I think he'll be the third string center of do Giannis and Ursan count as centers? Cause if so, then no, if they don't count as centers, then yes. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, Thon, we, we last year, I think we, did we put Thons over on, I think, I think we put Thons over under on minutes at 24 and we both took the under. Um, yep. He was at 16.7 minutes per game in 74 games last year. <sighs> Um, are you taking over or under 16.7 minutes per game this year? Oh, that's a great question. I'm taking under. I, I almost think it is. And that's not great. I mean, I think, I think effectively, you know, Lopez, 25 minutes per game. Yep. You know, maybe, maybe even a little bit more. Um, and if that's the case, and I didn't realize obviously everybody gets a little bit inflated because it's not like, you know, there obviously there are injuries and things like that. So guys will like the centers will average more than a combined 48 minutes per game this year, just because Correct. of that. But um, with Thon, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think you are going to see minutes with, with either Giannis or, or Ursan at center. I don't know if it's going to be a lot of minutes, but you know, it's going to be, be five some. or six minutes, five or six minutes a game, maybe. Um, Set Noxie down to 42 minutes available. If Lopez gets, you know, 25, then that leaves you with 17. That's, that's your fun allocation. And, and again, I don't, I think over the course of a season, I think he's going to 
certainly going to split minutes with Henson. And I mean, again, it's possible that, um, Hey, corner three point shooting, John Henson just renders Thon maker. <laughs> yeah. Far less useful from that spacing standpoint. Cause not like Thon was a good three point shooter last year. He shot under 30%. So, um, so that, that's obviously something that, that, uh, you know, for real, yeah, we kind of, we kind of talked ourselves into Thon being a floor spacer, three and D potential type guy as a rookie, but, um, you know, he had a lot of open threes last year and he did not hit many of those open threes. So that that's an area that, again, like if he doesn't, if he shoots 29% against this year, again, this year, then it's like, all right, mm, this guy just isn't really going to shoot well, maybe. I mean, again, saw his time to improve as a shooter, but, um, but at some point, you know, you can't be living on your, your rookie year three point shooting numbers. Um, you know, Giannis is a good example best three-point shooting year of his career was his rookie year. Yep. And then, uh, you know, blame, blame Sean Sweeney and the company for screwing up a shot, I guess. But, um, but, uh, you know, stuff, stuff, there's no guarantees. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, uh, he has a lot to prove and we've talked about it for, for a while now. And especially the last couple of days where it's come more into focus, but he's got a lot of prove to it. He's, he, I mean, to, I think a brand new coaching staff and I mean, certainly, a team as they try to figure out what he means to them going forward. Um, next question. Brian Harmon asks, other than more revelations of the secret Dante interview, secret excuse Dante. me. <clears throat> secret Dante. Um, I was curious as to what type of leader Giannis is a LeBron Jordan Kobe, or is he just a superstar that doesn't take command like that? Also DJ Wilson looked like he gained muscle, but will bud salvage him? Um, what type of leader do you think Giannis is? I think this is a really interesting question um, because I think it, first off I'll say this, I think it's hard for young players to, especially a guy like Giannis who I think came over super young and he was obviously battling kind of like not battling, but you know, he had like cultural hurdles to to clear as well. Um, when he first came into the league, like it wasn't like he, you know, was programmed from birth to be an NBA player or something like that. Like there was, it was a huge adjustment. Um, so I think that, I think there is a big adjustment from going from being a really young up and coming NBA player to, to being a true leader and, and kind of overcoming that perception of, you know, you just being a young guy, whatever. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's an intangible quality. It's, it's hard to characterize, especially since we, what we see is obviously so much, from the outside, but what, I mean, how do you, what do you, how, what do you think of that? I, I think, I, I think that, I think Giannis came, became much more, much closer to being a leader last year than maybe the year before. I think the year before was maybe more of a, you want him to be a leader. It was aspirational because he was really good. Um, but I think last year, maybe it was more of that, you know, guys really felt like they could, you know, kind of pin, you know, hitch themselves to Giannis and feel like he could carry them and, Certainly, I think that's the starting point of of leadership. Is you know, do, are you a guy that team, that your teammates trust to to make decisions and to make plays? You know, at the end of games or when your team needs a bucket. Um, I think that certainly happened. But beyond that, obviously, kind of difficult to to kind of say like you know, in the locker room on the bus, like what is he like? How you know, does he provide the leadership that you need? That's obviously difficult, and I think it's certainly one thing that you know every you know young player in their early twenties has to kind of wrestle with and adapt and, and grow and evolve into. 
To me, I think it all starts with the the cultural and language gap. Like, I just think that at a young age, she was never going to kind of be like, uh, all right, guys, follow me. Because uh, I don't know if he would have been able to communicate that message. <laughs> like, uh, the, like the that gap was, was to me very real like they were trying to figure out like he was trying to figure out okay how do i communicate with these people how do i get my points across like how do i do all of these things so to me that that is kind of where all of this starts but i guess kind of where it goes from there is a number of the players that were there at the start aren't really around anymore like they don't they don't have those guys Uh, i'm trying to think from the roster the original roster that guys that would have seen Giannis as a rookie, uh, John Henson's on the list. Urson's on the list. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's on the list. And I think that's about it. So when you're thinking about it, like that all of those things happened and Giannis had to learn more about, you know, the kind of the, the language and the culture. But a lot of these guys didn't see him do that. They've just seen the, the Giannis of the last couple of years. And I think what you're seeing from him is kind of growing into being a leader. I think his leadership skills are much like any of his other skills. Like as he's learned to be a playmaker, he's learned more of the nuances of it. He's learned, you know, exactly how to go about it, how to control more things. Like I think he went through a number of those things as a leader uh, last year and I think you're going to see him go through some more of those things. And uh, I, I think it's inter- the, the Kobe workout is interesting this summer because when you think about Giannis and what he may be or who he may be, uh, there is in him that, that Kobe level lunatic that, you know, works out all the time that is just kind of crazy about it. And I, I think if that goes to its Zenith, it, it's problematic it it becomes okay i can't even trust you i can't pass you the ball you guys all suck i'm just going to take it and do what i want because i'm the best player on the team and i mean i think you saw that was obviously quite detrimental to kobe and his ability to lead teams like it it, it just it just was it was problematic for him he, he couldn't lead teams because he only believed in himself and he, he didn't necessarily believe in others and uh that can lead to a kind of toxic dynamic uh, between a team. And then I think on the other end, I think how you saw LeBron grow as a leader was when he was young, he was very deferential. He was always ready to make the the right pass and he was always going to set up a teammate. And I think we see that in Giannis. Like there are a number of times where you think about him in an ISO situation late in the game and it's like, Oh man, Giannis, you should really take that shot. But instead, it's him making the pass or the right pass or however you want to look at it. Like it is him kind of doing those things. And I just think it, we're going to learn more and more about him as a leader. I think last year you saw some of his best work as a leader. And I think you're going to see even more of it this year. And um, I, I just think it's going to, it'll be interesting to ultimately see where it, kind of blends into because like Jordan's leadership was like out of fear, (laughs) like fail me and you're dead. Like uh, you can't do that. I will literally punch you if you challenge me. Hi, Steve Kerr. Um, Like 
that was the Michael Jordan school of leadership. I don't think Giannis will ever be a part of that. So it's kind of how does he grab the, the LeBron stuff where you're a playmaker and you have like the trust your teammates. And then also the Kobe where you're not afraid of big moments and you're a a guy that people can lean on. I, I think the maybe biggest critique of Giannis last year was frustrations when guys just screwed stuff up. Now you get I think you can look back on last year. You can look at some defensive possessions and you'll see him throw his hands up in the air. You can see his shoulders slump. Like you can see some of that, some of that stuff that's just undeniably bad body language. And I don't know that I fault him for it because the Bucks were insistent on running a defensive scheme that was very clearly broken. Um, but I am kind of curious now that they're in a different scheme, like if things don't work kind of what happens in in those spots. And uh, when you kind of combine all that, he's also 23 and I mean, he's still got some growing to do. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see what kind of leader he becomes because there's no language gap anymore. There's no experience gap. There's no ability gap. Like he's very talented and he's very capable. So you don't have to worry about any of those things. Now you put it all together. What kind of leader will he become? Yeah, I think the, you know, I think the most important type of leadership ultimately in the NBA is is the, you know, follow my lead type leadership, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the nature of the sport, right? Like the best player has to be the leader in some capacity because you have the option to just play through that player when yeah. it matters most, right? Or it's a big game like, you know, uh baseball you know, I guess you can hand the ball to your best pitcher, right, in the big game or something like that. But fundamentally, you know, you don't get to pick when your best player hits more than you know in the in the in the lineup, right? Like it, you can only do so much in basketball. You have so much flexibility because it's like, all right, you know what, Giannis is your best player. Just give him the ball every time down the court, right? Yep. Um, you know, use him like LeBron or whatever. Um, so I think some of the real important things around that are. He's a guy who he plays both ends. You know, he's a guy, I think inherently guys who defend and play offense at a high level always have a better chance of being those kind of lead by example type guys because, you know, look, I don't think Giannis is necessarily going to be the a rah-rah, you know, give him the inspirational halftime speech type guy. But if he calls you out on defense, you're not getting called out by a guy who isn't, you know, pulling his weight, right? He's one of the best defenders in the yep. league. Um, he's a guy that has also, I think, not been afraid of, of big moments and he's had, you know, a lot of big plays late in games. And I think that breeds also the confidence to, to, Hey, he's our guy. He's our leader. Give him the ball, get out of the way. He'll make the right choice. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's certainly a, a key piece of this. And I think, you know, what you alluded to, I mean, the, the kind of Kobe Jordan work ethic off court type stuff, right. Um, you know, when your best player is your hardest worker, um, that that helps credibility too, right? That that helps hopefully inspire the young guys to to show up, you know, early to stay late, um, to put in the extra time because they've seen them, what it's done for Giannis, and so I think that's a really valuable thing. And then I think the other piece too, which you know Kobe and 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 Jordan, for instance, didn't have, is just, I mean, Giannis is a good guy. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah, you know, like I mean. Pretty much undeniably, Kobe, you know, I mean, and again, you almost want to, and it's, it's been nice seeing people kind of with some of the interviews, like 
seen a lot of comments like, you know, I can't believe we have this guy as our best, you know, as on this team. Like, it's just like, he's like a gift, you know? Um, yep. And, and look, I, I don't want to say that Giannis is perfect or something like that. Cause I mean, he's ultimately just a, a guy, he's a human. Um, but he's a guy who I think is very, you know, appreciative of what he has. He has, you know, stayed out of trouble. He cares about family and basketball and, not a whole lot else. Um, no. you know, he, he's, I think still has a fun, fun personality, but, um, you know, I mean, look, Kobe almost had his career ended by a, a rape trial. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. we will never know exactly what really happened with that. Um, and he ultimately kind of, I think the narrative around him is sort of rebounded and nobody really ever talks about that, but, um, but Kobe's whole life could have gone down a very different path based on a very, you know, dark time in his life. Jordan, obviously we know now, maybe we didn't know as much while it was happening just because it was a less, there was less of a microscope on people, but he was a, he was a dick, you know? I mean, Jordan wasn't a friendly guy. He wasn't a nice guy. Um, was a tough teammate. Uh, and again, not, not to say that that was ineffective as a leader. Um, guy won six championships, but I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that the buck, uh, the Bulls would have won only three if he was a nicer guy, right? Like I don't, I don't think yeah. that was why the Bulls won championships. I think that was just something that was a reality of him and part of kind of his like competitiveness. So, um, so I think you know again, like from a leadership perspective, I don't know if there's, you know, I don't, I don't know who you compare him to. I don't think he's, you know, also like quite in the mold of like the Tim Duncan, super quiet, lead by example type guy. Um, just because Giannis does have an actual personality that we're allowed yeah. to see, I, I shouldn't say that because Duncan, I think, was known to actually like be pretty funny and, and engaging. He just never really showed that to the media. So maybe, maybe there is more of that Duncan type type thing um, that that Giannis could have too. And, and obviously, Mike Budenholzer knows all about Duncan, so I guess he could tell us better than than any of us could speculate. But um, but I think it's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, and again, I don't um, I don't think guys need to be super rah rah, you know um types to to be good leaders i think in basketball ultimately it comes down to um you know do your teammates trust you to perform at the highest level when when it matters the most and i think certainly you know Giannis has to win win playoff series and hopefully win um at some point a championship to to really validate all that but um you know given how young he is and given kind of the his his ascension and how rapid it's been i think he's you know been tipping ticking all the boxes right i mean he has not shrunk from the big stage in the playoffs. Um, he, he's not afraid. And I think, you know, guys who are not afraid and who, you know, again, play the right way, put in the work on and off the court. Those are the types of guys that, you know, I think from a raw materials of, of leadership standpoint, you know, guys want to play with those guys, guys want to, you know, give it their all for those guys. So yep. anyway, I think we've talked enough about Giannis leadership. Um, the last, um, the last question that we've got tonight, uh, Justin Cape asks, Nope. I'm rejecting this entire rejecting? question. What about what about um, what about some of the some of the um, can we cherry pick maybe some of them? I think we can, but they need to be saved for the over under podcast. Justin uh, at JT Cape gave us one to six over unders, and I do think a number of them are usable for our over unders podcast. So I I will I will properly credit him when that time comes, but I don't think we should be doing over-unders at this moment. 
All right, I'm going to do one. Frank mentions that his wife is a Rockets fan 40 times. Um, let's see. The NBA season is about 180 days. <laughs> we'll probably do, what, like 140, 150 podcasts maybe this season? Sure. Am I going to mention my wife is a Rockets fan one out of four times? Probably. I'm going to take the over. Yeah, I think it's an easy over. Uh, also because you've leaned into it. It it, it started oh, just... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, but now that, I mean, that's like asking over under, will Eric go, welcome at the start of the podcast. Like, it, it, no matter where you put that number, you got to take the over because I'm going to do it every time. So both of us have leaned in uh, to both of those things. So I feel like 40 times is an, is an easy over. Especially now that my daughter is um, like the battle for my daughter's uh sports fandom is is taking shape she's she's finally getting big enough now she's eight months so she's getting big enough now to um to actually uh wear some of the bucks gear that we had previously Mm -hmm. gotten her so um look out for that um we we had she had a rockets onesie when she was you know like three months old so that was kind of Mm -hmm. like the you know the the starting point for for the war for her her sports fandom um, in our household. Uh, Bucks now gonna gonna hopefully put in a good few months as she grows into some of her Bucks gear. Um, <laughs> so again, you know, I, look, I, hopefully she'll like both the Rockets and the Bucks, um, and she won't have to choose. But uh, I'm, I'll do what I can for Bucks Nation. You got this. I I know you got this. All right, is that it? Um, yeah, I actually will throw this one in. Nate asks that you often sat behind the visitors bench at the BC, have the Bucks relocated your seat for the season at the new arena. That would be specifically for me. Frank does not have uh, seats behind the visitors bench. Uh, and I guess technically you kind of used to, or no, you, it was more mid court, right? That's where your dad's season. It was center court. Yeah. We, yeah. We, 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 our family, we have been very lucky. We've had like center court ticks. Um, and we've got them this year again. So I'm, I'm, very much looking forward to coming back to uh, to watch a game, but but yes, you you have um, you've bar- obviously been to far more Bucks games and have moved around given uh, given they moved the credentialed folks around. So, do you know where you're actually going to end up? Um, so, so we know that there's a media room on the top of the first level in the south southwest corner of Pfizer Forum. We know that that there's one spot there. What we don't know is how everyone's going to fit over there. Like, I don't like, if you think of the previous media seating at the Bradley center, there was the, there was the area behind the away bench, which is typically like radio and television folks. So that was where you typically saw me. Then there was the uh, print media, kind of area that was on the top of the first level closer to midcourt on the opposite side of the away bench. And then there was also the kind of end zone riser seats um, where there was like, that was more like national media and then some of like the, the bucks uh, team folks and stuff like that. Um, So, I mean, that's a lot of area. Um, So we know of the one media area in that, in that Southwest corner, but we don't know where anything else will be. So um, I'm in many ways, I'm looking forward to opening night 
or I guess uh, technically, I guess I'm looking forward to October 3rd when it's uh, Bucks Bulls and we actually get to see what it looks like for a game because I don't think for the scrimmage, everything will be kind of laid out like that. Uh, I would assume it'll be somewhat informal as I think it's general admission seating for uh, the scrimmage as well. So it's, it might end up being a little bit of a madhouse, but um, I'm not sure where we'll... I guess I won't know that for probably another week or so. And then maybe I'll have some idea. But even then, I'm not 100% sure. So we'll see. I'm excited. Um, Being in the Pfizer forum a couple times, or being in Pfizer forum a couple times now, um, I I don't know that I can really be all that upset no matter where I sit. Um, But I did always like sitting behind the way bench because there was typically like, you know, if someone is talking junk you can kind of hear a little bit of it if someone is ready to fight someone you can hear something about that if uh the whatever it was called squad six clutch crew if they were like making fun of a player on the bench and you could kind of hear the bench like hey they're making fun of you and like you could kind of hear some of those jokes so that was always fun so my hope is that i'll be around that area again well this weekend Saturday, September 29th, 11 a.m., the Green and Cream scrimmage at Pfizer Forum. It's a free event. It's sold out. I don't know if you can say it's sold out if it was free, but whatever. Uh, it's going to be a packed house, it sounds like. Um, and the, the game, the, the scrimmage is going to be from roughly 11 to 1, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. It will be on bucks.com slash live. So we'll be able to stream it, those of us who are not uh, in the building. Um, I am pumped and, um, I'm actually, we're, we're going to finish up here now. I'm just seeing, uh, there's a video here, Christian Wood talking about how he developed a fan base in Milwaukee. Um, you know, Christian Wood retweeted me at some point this summer when I said something complimentary of him. So he's probably referring to me, um, and (laughs) as, uh, as leading the, the Christian Wood fan club, uh, in Milwaukee. So I'm going to have to drop from our podcast just so I can, indulge myself in what is sure surely christian wood talking about um my endorsement which obviously is worth its weight in gold in milwaukee so um i've got to go eric um i mean that sounds good you have important things i've got important things to do um me and my boy c wood got to uh got to go figure some stuff out um but i'm excited that our next podcast is going to be talking about actual ish basketball yes sort of basketball we will be talking about that in our next podcast i look forward to it as well thanks for coming along on the journey with us for this two-part mailbag hopefully you've enjoyed the last two days for frank madden i'm eric name this has been lockdown bucks